Welcome to the KBB From the Tap podcast. I'm Managing Editor Leslie Claggett, and this week I'm very happy to talk with David Trubridge, founder of David Trubridge Lighting. His firm is based in Hastings, New Zealand. Today we're going to discuss some of the compelling concepts in lighting from both aesthetic and functional perspectives. Welcome, David, and thank you for joining me. Thank you, Leslie. I'm happy to be here. Uh, all the way from New Zealand. Tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> so we can get to know you a bit. Could you share what initially sparked your passion for designing lighting fixtures and how you approach lighting as an art form? I sort of fell into lighting almost by accident. Um, for many years, I've been a furniture designer and maker. Um, and was doing initially just artisan furniture making, and then we got into more production here in New Zealand. But it's quite hard to to ship furniture long distance. And I was working at a, a teaching institution in Australia. I had some spare time, and I made something for fun. And as a child, I played with polyhedra uh, geometric forms and making dodecahedrons and things like that. And I went back to that and created a, um, a sphere based on that sort of geometry made out of piece, small pieces of plywood which were cut out by the fingers of a hand which fitted together. And I, and I thought, well, that's fun, but what do I do with that? And my wife looked at it and she looked at all the pieces of unsold furniture scattered around the floor in our house. And she looked up at this big space in the ceiling and said, hang it up there. And so it became a light. And so I became a lighting designer. <laughs> and that was kind of the start of it. But I, I'd stumbled on actually a, a really exciting opportunity to create pattern decorative forms, which enhance the lighting in a different way to what normal lights does. It doesn't just diffuse the light, it creates shadow patterns. And, and I'd done it in a way which could be easily shipped because they're all kit set that we, we pack them in small boxes, all the pieces. When they arrive at their destination, either the the client makes them themselves or the contractor makes them so that the freight is reduced massively so being in new zealand is not an issue anymore so all these things came together and suddenly the business took off around these lights and um, i became a lighting designer fantastic um, would you like to elaborate on the concept of layering light and how it enhances the visual appeal of residential spaces i, I think the important thing to think about in terms of the psychology of light is is that we were as a species evolving for millions of years living in the forest in africa and that experience is embedded in our psyche and so we respond best to an environment which is like that so a big blank lit cube is not actually very comfortable for us psychologically so what we try to do with lighting is, is create a more rounded space and different parts of that space have different levels of lighting so that we're not blanketing it in this one single, make it emphasizing the box light nature of the room. So layered lighting is, is creating bright light where you need it and softer light where you don't and trying to round that, that space that you're in. And then on top of that, we also have this shadow effect, which adds an extra impact as well. And I'll talk about that later. Well, um, another topic that's hot these days is circadian lighting, with some people saying it can play a big part in designing for wellness. What is your take about how lighting can contribute to wellness? 
again, this is coming back to that, that developmental experience in the forest. Um, and so we're absolutely attuned to the natural rhythms of nature, the, the different forms of light during the 24 hours of, of the cycle. So in the middle of the day, the sun is quite blue. And in the evenings, it goes softer and more yellow. And then it's dark at night. And if we can recreate that cycle in our lighting, then we're creating the most psychologically comfortable environment for us to live in. So we can change the intensity of the light, we can change the color of the light over the course of the day to reproduce that. And that's 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 clicking into our circadian rhythms. But there's another aspect of that, which is about, uh, I guess, psychological and physiological wellness. We've worked with a professor in Portland, Oregon University, who works with fractals. Fractals are the kind of degree of density of patterning that you see around us. And he put some of his test subjects in a room in front of a blank white wall and measured the alpha and beta waves generated in their brains while they were looking at this blank white wall. And that wall induced stress. It increased the level of beta waves, which makes us ready for fight or flight, which creates more cortisol, uh, a stress-inducing um, chemical in our body, which is not good for us. When he projected shadow patterns onto the wall of trees coming through a window or similar sort of shadow, shadow patterns, breaking up that flat white space, the beta waves dropped off in our brain and the alpha waves increased. So we became more relaxed and comfortable the more patterns were on the wall. So what we're, what we're seeing in houses of these blank white walls and big volume spaces is actually bad psychologically and physiologically for our health. And by creating a, a patterns and texture and different colors, we're increasing our, our health in, in a way that I think is actually quite important to think about. They, the same, they discover the same in hospitals. Patients recover faster in a hospital if they can see trees than if they're in, a, in a, a, just a closed off room. So we, we need trees, we need those patterns. And, and the lights that we produce create those shadow patterns, which are similar to the patterns of trees, um, which actually is proven is good for us. I I think I'm noticing something in your, your background there. It's rather tree-like and green. Um, thank you for bringing that to the, the podcast today. Um, let's, let's, why don't we pick that up and go into a specific space, the bathroom. Um, from a design point of view, what are your recommendations for achieving both functionality and aesthetics when it comes to bathroom lighting? Bathroom is quite a functional space. I mean, you, you, you need a very good light to do your makeup, to, to wash, see, see what you're doing in, in the bathroom. So you need good functional lighting. And, and we, we actually can't put our lights in the bathroom because the moisture is not good for the wood. Um, <clears throat> so I, I'm not sure that decorative lighting is, is the best, um, best thing to put into a bathroom of the lighting that we produce. You can still create a rounded space mm -hmm. rather than emphasizing the squareness of it by the way the lights are placed. But the other aspect of bathroom, which, which, is, which is also worth remembering, is that we don't always need a bright functional light. If you get up in the middle of the night to go to the bathroom, you don't want a bright light. You want a very dim light to find your way. And that's all you need. So you, you actually in a bathroom need two sources of light, a bright light for doing the functional stuff 
and really soft light for those times at night when you're just finding your way to go to the bathroom. Uh, how about the kitchen? How can lighting choices in general contribute to creating a visually appealing and functional kitchen? The, the same applies in, in, in that case, that a functional workspace needs good, good lighting. It needs to be in, in, directed from an area where it's not going to be shadowed by people moving around. So that's really, really important that your workspaces are functionally lit. But the kitchen is a, it's a place we use a lot. So we want to create that 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 bower, that lovely rounded space as well. Um, so if you have lights above uh, the workspace that are shining lots of direct light down, but but they've got patterns which they're shining up onto the ceiling and, and the walls higher up, then you're achieving both. You're achieving that relaxed environment with a light that you can use for, for working. Uh, many, many people have kitchen islands these days. Uh, could you share your insights on effectively lighting those pieces and how the island's intended function influences the lighting strategy? Islands are kind of halfway between, aren't they? Because they, they work, they're used functionally for preparing food, but we also sit around them uh, in a more casual way. So we need to be able to have a, a, a bright light for the preparing the food, the functional stuff, but we need to be able to soften that um, for those times when we're being more relaxed. So either you have different lights which you can switch on or off, or you have lights which are um, <clears throat> on a dimmer, which you can reduce the light levels at that time when you, you want to be more casual. So an island is kind of like a halfway space. It's between functional at times and being more casual and being more cozy at other times. You need to be able to adjust the lighting to accommodate both. That's true, yes. Well, finally, in terms of design and artistry, what recent advancements or emerging trends in lighting excite you the most? And how do you see them impacting residential lighting design? But for me, the most important thing today in everything is our impact on the environment. And I think that lighting's got a long way to go to reduce its impact. We use a lot of polycarbonate or, or stainless steel or glass. Um, there are a lot of, there are red listed chemicals in the PVC cable. Um, and in the bulb holders. And, and we've got a long way to go to clean up our act. And I think that's the most important thing. And, and when I do see people doing it, um, I, I think, well, that's wonderful. Thank you for doing that. We, we badly need um, more sustainably produced products for, for our lighting range. And it's going to be more expensive. We have to accept that, that that's the price we're paying for cleaning up our act on the planet. We can't go on polluting and destroying the environment we live in at the rate we're doing now. And it's going to cost us, unfortunately. Um, but the alternative, the long, if we carry on as we're doing now, the longer term effects are going to cost us far more. So it's important that we make that change now. And I can see it happening in a few companies in the lighting industry. I'd like to see it more, that we're being more responsible in, in how we produce the products and how we use them. Well, this has been a most insightful conversation about an essential element in design and in life. Uh, thank you very much, David Trubridge, for joining us today on KBB's From the Tap. Thank you, Leslie. And Kira, everyone in the United States. <laughs> Be sure to subscribe to KBB's YouTube channel and click the like button on our videos. You can also subscribe to KBB's From the Tap podcast on such apps as Apple, Spotify, Pandora, and Google Podcasts. 
and please feel free to leave a review.